And welcome to another quick, abbreviated episode of the Illini Cast. My name is Sonny Verma. I'm going to be hosting the show today. We're going to just talk about a couple quick topics, and then we're going to go straight to the Rutgers uh, preview with uh, Aaron Brightman. Uh, big game tomorrow for Illinois. Obviously, Rutgers uh, kicks off a Big Ten play, but I'm going to start off with a little uh, football talk, actually. Um, yesterday was reported that uh, Reggie Love has decided to enter the transfer portal. Um, it surprised a lot of people. Um, I definitely did think that a running back would enter the portal. Uh, that that running back room is pretty crowded as it is. I just think didn't think it would be Reggie Love. Um, a lot of people, again, were shocked by this, but for me, if there was one room that we would be okay with having a departure in. It is that running backs room. Um, I think Reggie may have had conversations with Brett Bielema and seen the writing on the wall and seen that Caden Fagan was probably going to be the number one uh, running back next year. We had Aiden Loffrey uh, come in at the last game of the season. And yeah, I think he only had three carries, but he performed well in those three carries. And obviously there's some expectations for him. We have uh, Jordan Anderson. Uh, you know, hopefully he can get healthy soon. Um, there was high expectations from him uh, as a recruit. Then we, of course, <coughs> sorry, we still have uh, Josh McCray as well. Now, Josh McCray, I thought, um, might have been the veteran to kind of seek uh, other pastures. But Jeremy Werner of 24-7, uh, Illini Inquirer, has talked about how him and Brett Bielema have a very close relationship. Uh, he really likes it at, at Illinois, and um, he's one of Brett's go-to guys for when people come to visit. And, you know, uh, I guess Josh is one of those guys who hosts, uh, you know, potential recruits. And any football player who enjoys the University of Illinois and can sell it off to future recruits, you know, and they want to stay here. I say that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm, I'm very proud and, uh, you know, I welcome with open arms folks who are um, wanting to wear the orange and blue. But back to Reggie Love, um, you know, the rumors already out there that he's probably going to be looking at, you know, a Missouri uh, following his uh, assistant coach, uh, coach from high school, uh, uh, Corey Patterson. Um, if that happens, sure. You know, Maccabee obviously is a fantastic running back in itself, but Purdue has lost a lot of players in the transfer portal. I think I just saw another wide receiver enter this year. So the top three or four wide receivers are all in the transfer portal now. So that they've got a lot of rebuilding to do on that uh, offense. So if he winds up there, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, as for Illinois, obviously now, um, while our running back room is super talented, we've seen from the last season where we lost four guys uh, to season-ending injuries that there's a potential that this could happen again. We don't know young guys. they Some may just be injury-prone. So I would not be surprised if uh, Brett decides to kind of go into the transfer portal and try to find uh, at least one more guy. The, what I question, however, is with Fagan being slotted at number one, we have Kyle Ballantyne, four, four-star recruit from Arizona coming in, uh, the before-mentioned Aiden Lawfrey, Josh McCray. I don't know how attractive of a destination uh, Illinois is right now for a running back just because of I don't know how many carries we have to offer. You know, our offensive line is going to be beefed up a little bit next year. And, you know, Brett Bielema's offenses are known for running the ball. But 
I don't know if we're going to be able to attract the type of talent that uh, Reggie Love was. Now, I'm not saying Reggie Love was an outstanding college football running back. I think he was average to above average, and he is replaceable. But um, I just don't know if we're going to be able to convince someone uh, from the outside to take an opportunity here wearing the orange and blue. But uh, that's enough football for now. Obviously, Illinois is going to kickstart its uh, college basketball season tomorrow on Saturday. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite uh, a special guest to discuss uh, the game with me. Give me one moment. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron, if you don't mind, uh, just introducing yourself to my uh, audience. Sure. Thanks for having me, Sonny. Uh, I uh, operate the Scarlet Faithful podcast and have covered Rutgers Athletics for almost a decade now and uh, dating myself, but I've been a fan since I was a kid in the 80s. So uh, seen a lot of Rutgers games for better or for worse and uh, very excited about the Big Ten play uh, beginning and certainly an intriguing matchup uh, on Saturday between Rutgers and Illinois. It's a really intriguing matchup because it's one of the places, one of the few places that Underwood just has not had success at. Um, I think I looked at his career record um, playing at the rack. He's one in five uh, in his career. We do okay when the game is in Champaign. But what is it about the rack that, you know, gives Rutgers such a home court advantage? Yeah, it's a unique environment. Uh, it's actually the shape is a trapezoid. Uh, so the uh, sound dynamics, the acoustics are, are a little bit different. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of concrete. So it gets very loud. And Rutgers basketball fans have been through a lot over the years. Uh, obviously, every fan base feels that way. But, um, you know, just a, a lot of losing, but also scandals over the years. And uh, to now have a, a stable program and have a coach like Peichel that's elevated them, uh, certainly a ton of excitement. And uh, it was even a venue that, you know, when Rutgers wasn't really that good when they were in the Big East was always an advantage, uh, even with some, you know, lesser teams back then. So it's always been a built-in advantage. But as Rutgers has emerged here in the Big Ten in recent seasons, it's really taken on a life of its own. And, um, yeah, for whatever reason, Illinois has, has struggled there. There was actually a uh, – I, I believe it was the Athletic. It was over the summer. It was an anonymous coach talking about how much they hated the rack and – a lot of Rutgers fans took a guess that maybe it was Underwood and how it sounded. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a big game for Rutgers, important game, obviously for Illinois as well. So I'm excited to, to see a contrast in styles, I think, as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, you talked about the emergence of uh, Rutgers basketball, and a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, Peichel, who I consider is one of the three, four best head coaches uh, in the Big Ten. What were the expectations of the basketball team coming into the season? It's a little bit of a different year. Uh, it's a it's a definite transition from the last few years. It's the first time, you know, one of the core guys on the team uh, in terms of the rebuilding that elevated the program, Ron Harper Jr., Geo Baker, they've actually, uh, obviously been gone two years now, but Paul Mulcahy left uh, unexpectedly. Uh, Caleb McConnell graduated. So, other than Cliff Amore, it really is a relatively brand new roster. Uh, and there's a lot of anticipation and expectations for the future with the way the 2024 recruiting class is trending right now. So it's a little bit of a bridge year, um, but I think that the thirst for every year making the NCAA tournament, of course, is there last year, ended in disappointment, uh, waiting on Mawat Mag to return. But I think that 
being in the mix for the NCAA tournament, being in the middle of the pack is where fans hope to be this year. And I, I personally think that, you know, they have they have a, a legitimate shot to get back to the NCAA tournament. That it's a different type of team, uh, but I think that they're playing a style also that's that's more fun and uh, going to has generated some excitement early on for the fan base this season. Speaking of style, I did uh, I put on Twitter that uh, you were going to be coming on to the show today, and I had uh, ILL lunatic. It's just Garrett. Uh, ask how does Rutgers look offensively compared to last year? Yeah, so that's a great question. They are different. Um, I think it's interesting because you know Paul Mulcahy and Cam Spencer they were supposed to come back. They both entered the transfer portal very late in the process. Uh, Cam was late May. Uh, Mulcahy was in June. So they're different type of players. They're they're you know uh, had length. Uh, they were you know slower, played a, a slower pace. Uh, and also weren't really uh, able to create off the dribble. So Peichel had brought in Noah Fernandes before uh, they had left to kind of fill that role because what happened last year was with Derek Simpson, he really ended up being the only guy that could create off the dribble and create offense, and they needed more of that. So bringing in Fernandes was a big part of that. Uh, and then when uh, Spencer and Mulcahy left, it kind of gave Rutgers an opportunity to reinvent themselves a little bit. I think they were heading that way anyway. When you start talking about you know some elite recruits that they're uh, pursuing, you know Dylan Harper obviously among them. Uh, Top tier recruits, as you know, want to play a faster pace style. So I think that Pykel also was learning that although defense is always going to be kind of his focus, um, they needed to be uh, a little bit different offensively, a little bit more creative, and they're really focusing on pushing the pace. So they're, they're running uh, much more than in years past. Right now they're you know doing a, a full-court press most of the time. It's going to be interesting to see how they implement that in Big Ten play. But they're, they're going to be a different style team than most Big Ten teams this year. Uh, in terms of Fernandes, uh, Derek Simpson, they also have a freshman, Jermichael Davis. They're all smaller, quicker, uh, even defensively. You know, Rutgers, uh, much more on the perimeter in the past, was about jumping passing lanes. Caleb McConnell, um, now it's more about ball pressure. Uh, and the guards have been very disruptive. Uh, Rutgers is averaging, forcing over 17 steals a game. They're running a lot in transition. They're, they're looking to run as well off of rebounds. Um, and even uh, made baskets. You know, it's not just about forcing turnovers and running. So uh, there's an intent there. They're playing at a fast pace. They're, you know, top 30 in the country right now. I think about 16 seconds per possession. So that's very different for Rutgers. They haven't shot particularly well, but I think that they're starting to gel in terms of what they're doing offensively. And I, I do think that they're going to start to shoot a little bit better. Uh, but obviously against a team that, like Illinois that, you know, is very strong defensively, it's going to be a, a big test for them. It's funny that the team that you're describing Rutgers is now is kind of what the Brad Underwood teams looked like before he got to Illinois and like the first two or three seasons at Illinois, where it was just press defense, full court uh, defense. Uh, it didn't it wasn't working. Uh, we kept finishing last and second to last. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Brad was forced to make a couple adjustments once uh, Big Ten Conference, uh, you know, play hit. But you know, Michael's bringing in some, you know, dogs, like even when you talk about recruits, you know, you're talking about really high end recruits that you don't really, 
I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you don't really okay. think would be associated with like, you know, uh, and you think of going to the blue bloods, not necessarily Rutgers. Uh, what do you think? It's, what is it about Peichel that just, is it a, a strong NIL game? Like what is it that, uh, that makes Rutgers such an attraction for these high end uh, players? Yeah, I mean, NIL is, is obviously a factor, but th- th- there's no way, like, Rutgers is definitely not, you know, at the top tier in terms of uh, the Power Five uh, with NIL. A-, a lot of it is relationships. Um, I think that Pico comes across as very genuine. I think that he's a player's coach, even though he is kind of old school in his approach as, uh, I-, I think, you know, defense first and all that. Um, he does resonate with the players. He's uh, very loyal. Um I think one part that's interesting with this team is, you know, he doesn't have in the past, you know, with the core guys he had, he didn't have a lot of decisions to make with the rotation where this year there's a lot more competition for minutes. There's a lot more um, ability for him to mix and match uh, based on the lineups he has. But I think with recruiting, you know, Ron Harper Jr. Obviously had a lot of success at Rutgers. He's now in second year of the G league. Uh, so there was a built-in relationship there with Dylan Harper. They've, you know, they, they, they were the first to offer him when he was like in the eighth grade, uh, East Bailey, uh, number three recruit in the country, you know, Brandon Knight, an assistant has uh, long ties to, to his coaches and, um, people in his area. So that, that helped Lathan Somerville is a guy uh, coming from the Illinois, uh, Chicago area, uh, that I'm really excited about, uh, uh inside out, uh, kind of a stretch for big, uh that can bang but you know play on the perimeter as well his father played with uh tj thompson who was it was an assistant they played overseas together so those relationships certainly help but i also think that uh his his personality his style and of course winning right Rutgers is proving that they're um they're one of four teams the last four years to win 10 big 10 games in the regular season so there's some consistency established now and i think that that ultimately you know is a big factor as well So Brad Underwood uh, has kind of had a mantra over the last couple of years, and I think it's kind of because we've been bitten by, like Illinois has been getting, you know, very top heavy uh, recruiting classes, you know, finishing uh, if not one, two or three uh, in the Big Ten Conference when it comes to recruiting rankings. But sometimes like the personalities don't work out and we've had defections and uh, they've ended up leaving. So he's kind of had a mantra of get old, stay old. Uh, you've kind of seen him really embrace the transfer portal. Uh, it's something where, you know, you take a look at our team now. Um, um, over half the players that are going to play key roles on the team are guys that did not start uh, in Illinois uniforms. Uh, has Peichel utilized the transfer portal? Is that something he's using as, you know, one of his main courses of recruiting? Or is that just kind of fill in areas here and there? Yeah, he's embraced it more so, but he's still at the end of the day he's very much a relationship coach in that he wants to develop players so he 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 believes in getting old too but he likes doing it more organically where he has players in the program three four years um you know even guys like Mawat mag uh had a breakout year last year he was it was his third year before he really made an impact on the team uh he's still recruiting that way as well you know it, it's it is unique you, you were saying you know with like top end guys we've never had guys that have gone into you know the the draft after one year so that's going to be interesting to see how he handles that but what i think is key about the 24 classes is, is they have other guys that are going to be there a long time and i think that have high, higher end talent in terms of upgrading the roster but 
yeah, he's very much a development guy. Uh, he's very selective in who he brings in from the portal. Um, and he's talked about the differences in recruiting. He, he calls, you know, transfer portal recruiting like speed dating uh, in terms of uh, how you uh, get to know and, and build relationships with players. But he's 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 hit more than missed over the over the years. Um, and even his first season, you know, before the portal was even a thing. I mean, he he always brought in one key transfer each year. It's just starting to become more high profile in terms of who he's bringing in. Um, you know, Cam Spencer obviously worked out, didn't stay, is now starting for the defending national champs. Uh, Noah Fernandes was a key addition from UMass, and he's been a great culture fit. He's been a great um, just in terms of uh, his leadership and also the way what he brings them on the floor. Uh, and then also he brought in Austin Williams, who's a seventh year guy. So he uh, played in the NCAA tournament at Hartford. So those are two older transfers that he brought in that are in the rotation that have certainly helped uh as um you know they've they've turned the roster over a little bit they also have two freshmen in the rotation and gavin griffiths who's a top 50 recruit and then jamichael davis so he balances it out he's definitely not you know pro portal in the sense of he's going to bring in three four or five guys each year but he uses it appropriately where he kind of fills gaps on the roster that he needs um and i think he's done a relatively good job of it even if he has been a little bit begrudging to embrace it mm -hmm. Uh, speaking more along uh, the uh, team this year, uh, I, when you look at Illinois' schedule, it's been you know pretty relatively weak outside uh, a very you know tough matchup against Marquette, who I think is one of the best teams in the country. And then I was taking a peek at Rutgers' schedule this morning, and it seems like you know there wasn't really it may have been weaker than Illinois' schedule. Um, is this just a, something that Peichel does? Does he like to schedule tough? Uh, non-conference games or does he like to kind of build team trust and you know kind of take care of uh, the weaker teams you know uh, early in the season yeah it's been a point of contention uh, and you know the NCAA tournament selection committee did cite it last year as part of the issue of why they didn't get in so he actually has made a concerted effort to, to make the non-conference harder uh, and even the teams they've played I mean they you know they're at least in the in the twos in Kempom versus in years past. You know, he had, you know, four, five, six teams in the threes, uh, sub 300 range. Um, but, you know, they listen, they hosted a, a Bryant team that, you know, gave them a little bit of a battle that went down to, to Florida and beat Florida Atlantic. So that that was a it looking like a quality win. Uh, he scheduled Princeton, which is a, um, the longest uh, or the oldest rival that Rutgers has had. They hadn't played in a decade. Uh, it probably doesn't look great in hindsight that they played the first game because Princeton showed that you know their experience is six guys back uh, in the rotation from their sweet 16 team and um even so Rutgers played it pretty poorly and, and we're in it till the end but yeah they, he, he traditionally has has scheduled to the mindset that you said which was roster building experimenting a little bit with rotations um but overall they have upgraded i mean this starts a, a four out of five game stretch where they they host illinois then they're at wake forest at seton hall uh, they have, um, you know, pretty weak team in LIU, and then they're playing Mississippi State on a neutral floor. So definitely an upgrade from years past, but um, definitely likes to start November as slow. You know, there, there's fan, fans don't like that. He doesn't do feast week, really. Uh, we're hoping that next year that changes, but uh, they had a week off uh, during Thanksgiving. So they had uh, they played on Monday uh, against St. Peter's. And uh, so they've had a lot of rest and uh, practice time. So leading up to this game uh, against uh, Illinois. Yeah, Illinois had a week off as well. Uh, 
you know, it just like Rutgers, it's um, this game's going to kick off a pretty tough three game schedule for uh, Brad Underwood and company. We have uh, you guys on Saturday, then we have FAU, who we play, I believe, on the fifth, and I think we play, I think it's Tennessee. Uh, the next yeah. game. So, you know, FAU was obviously, you know, in the final four last year and uh, Tennessee on some nights look like they can win the national championship. So that's kind of what makes this game against Rutgers uh, on Saturday so important. Uh, what kind of team would you say, you know, someone who's not paying too close to attention? I mean, you you did a pretty good job earlier uh, describing what Rutgers looks like now, but maybe like a on a high level Cliff Notes version for an Illinois fan who you know, basketball season just started. Uh, the conference plays just started. They haven't done their research on Rutgers. Um, I, maybe a cliff notes of what kind of uh, team Rutgers is this year. What you know, what to expect, and like you know, what is Illinois going to have to counterattack and etc. Yeah, perhaps an unintentional pun, but Cliff Amore, uh, uh, Old Big Ten center, is back in the focal point uh, in a lot of ways. You know, offensively, he he's he's a little bit. Um, he operates much better in space. So when they can get uh, him off of screens, you know, rolling to the basket, uh, lobs, they've done a much better job this past year. Uh, he's not so great in terms of backing uh, defenders down on the block uh, and needing to make a post move to get to the rim. He's much better when he's able to, to, to move around uh, and utilize his athleticism. But, you know, he's an elite rim defender, elite rebounder, and um, he's been a big part of their defensive dominance so far. Uh, rebounding has been an issue. Uh, their wings uh, are not have not rebounded too well. Andre Hyatt is back. He's kind of a hot and cold scorer. He's had some big nights for them, um, but can struggle with a shot at times. But he's a versatile defender. Uh, Gavin Griffiths is a guy that gives him a different dimension offensively. He's a true freshman, but he's, you know, very high-end talent. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in his first real big test, uh, of his career against Saturday, but overall, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to create, uh, offense through their defense. Uh, they are, um, you know, been very, uh, very good in terms of inside the arc, uh, making it very difficult for opponents to score inside. Uh, they look to run at all times. Um, you know, they, they have done a pretty good job of not turning it over. They, they're struggling shooting. They're not shooting well from three. They're not shooting well from the foul line. Uh, I know kind of similar to Illinois so yeah. far, um, <laughs> you know, and, and layups have even been an issue at times, but I I'm encouraged because I think offensively they're starting to get an identity. They're starting to figure out, um, you know, how to get quality looks. Uh, and I do feel like the, the shooting will come at, at one point uh, sooner rather than later, hopefully, but uh, you know, it's a tough team. It's a physical team like always. Uh, they're a little bit deeper this year. Uh, you know, he plays eight, nine guys that I think are pretty interchangeable for the most part. Uh, so they're definitely deeper. Uh, they, they, but like I said, the differences are they play faster. Uh, and just in terms of how they're forcing turnovers is a little bit different. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a team that uh, is going to struggle on nights offensively and rely on their defense. But I think that um, how they are able to get transit their transition game going is going to really dictate their success in Big Ten play. Yeah, Illinois is uh, kind of similar to what you basically just described Rutgers uh, in being. It's on offense. A lot of times uh, it's been the Terrence Shannon show. Uh, we're just trying to figure out who that second guy is that's going to be able to step up and take that uh, you know role as the, the uh, Terrence's sidekick. Uh, we obviously all thought 
we all have high hopes for Coleman Hawkins, but he didn't. He hasn't played very well uh, at the beginning of the season, and then he ended up missing the last couple of games because of an injury. So that's kind of what we attribute maybe his early season struggles to. From my knowledge, he is going to be playing tomorrow, but I don't know if he's starting. I don't know what kind of minutes he's going to be playing. Um, in his absence, Dane Danger has played very well. You know, he's obviously a very gifted scorer, especially around the basket. So it'll be interesting to see that big man uh, matchup uh, in in the middle of the paint. Danger just can't shoot free throws to save his life. He missed his first 11 uh, of the season. And that's just for some reason, that's just uh, been a staple of a Brad Underwood program. And he can't figure it out. He says they hit him in practice, but... Our team, just like yours, has been struggling to make the you know th- wide open three pointers. Um, free throw shooting has been struggling. Uh, you know, defensively, we're very big. We're a very big team. Uh, we have what it, I think is the best pair of perimeter uh, defenders in the Big Ten. When you combine Terrence Shannon and Ty Rogers, they can cause havoc just uh, themselves with how athletic and how quick they can be. Um, our weakness this year has been point guard. We don't have one. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? The Marquette point guard Cockle, I think his name was, just drove circles around us. He had like 27 points. We could not stop him to save our lives. And so it's one of those where, you know, we really don't have anyone to guard the point guard, nor do we have someone I trust, at least that we trust at the end of games to set a play up should it come down to that. So that's going to be interesting. Um, how would you say your guard play uh, has been so far this year? Yeah, I think that's the most encouraging part is the last three games, four games, you've seen them start to gel. Derek Simpson struggled uh, initially. He's a sophomore, had a pretty good freshman campaign, you know, was ha- had a few games where he took over. Uh, they they won at Penn State late last year. They were trailing by 20, and he, he essentially was the reason they won that game. Uh He's he's starting to emerge and kind of figure out his role uh, and playing alongside Noah Fernandes, who, uh, you know, is a very mature player, uh, gets them in their offense, does a lot of little things just in terms of, um, you know, ball fakes, uh, being able to uh, create not only just in terms of dribbling uh, actions, but, you know, just uh, moving the ball, making sure it doesn't stick, uh, getting better looks just with little things that he's doing. Uh, and, you know, both of those guys, uh, as well as Andre Hyatt, like those three guys, if, if, if they can get to the foul line, they shoot at a really high rate, over 80%. It's everyone else that's kind of struggled. So it's it's important for – and Rutgers hasn't really been in a game where there's fouling down the stretch. So that's part of it too. So it's going to be interesting. If it's a tight game tomorrow, uh, you know, that that's something to watch for because those guys, all, all um, those two guards in spe- uh, particular – they don't really turn it over, and they do shoot really well from the foul line. So that'll be key. And uh, I think they're they're going to go as far as their guards take them. Um, you know, even Jermichael Davis, a true freshman, he's extremely quick. He's a little raw, uh, isn't the best shooter. But, you know, just to give them the other night, you know, he gave him four assists. Uh, and all three guards, none of uh, he gave him four assists off the bench with no turnovers. So even if he can do that on a consistent basis, that that's a huge plus. And I think Austin Williams is is a bigger. He's really their only big guard. He's six four, but he can defend multiple guys. I wouldn't be surprised if he, um, him and Hyatt kind of share duties with Shannon tomorrow uh, in terms of defending him. Pykele likes to you know mix it up a little bit on the best player on the opposing team. So uh, they have versatility there. And I think, yeah, that's going to be the key uh, 
not only on Saturday, but just it, the whole season in terms of how their guards perform and uh, really kind of run the offense for the team. I think it's going to be a really, you know, well fought out game. I think both teams are really looking to come out of it with a with a win just because of the subsequent, you know, tough games that we have uh, coming up afterwards, both for Illinois and Rutgers. And, you know, with the conference looking the way it does, like where you have Purdue on a tier clearly above everyone else, I think, you know, that second, third and fourth spots in the conference is definitely up for grabs. And so Saturday could be a preview of like, you know, which teams have it, uh, have a chance to, you know, get to that level and which don't. Um, Aaron, if you don't mind, I'm going to, you know, kind of pivot a little bit uh, and talk about the Rutgers football team and just how, you know, at least for the first part of the season, you guys were kind of like the darlings of, uh, you know, the national media with, uh, you know, what Greg Schiano has been able to do with that program. Like what, what is he doing that other coaches just have not been able to figure out? Uh, well, you know, he, he, uh, he is a Jersey guy. Uh, he has a proven, um, resume at Rutgers from having success in his first tenure, uh, in the early to mid two thousands, uh, in turning that program around. And, uh, that was a big reason why everyone wanted him to return. So he had the built in trust. Uh, it's a little ironic because this current recruiting class, which is going to be his best is, is much more on a national scale than he's, he's ever recruited at Rutgers, uh, not, you know, steering away from New Jersey a little bit, but it's, it's those local relationships. And I think it's just understanding of, of the university, uh, and, and his identity, you know, it's, it's, uh, interesting because, um, he, there, there's still questions of how far he can take them, especially in the big 10, but you know, it's, it's a gradual thing. And he talks about NIL all the time and the challenges there, but he's just he's steadily methodically improving the talent and the depth on the roster. It's taken some time. Uh, they were able this year. I mean, every game they were favored and they won every game. They were underdogs and they lost. So they're, they're certainly at kind of a, uh, a midpoint there where, um, you know, th there was hope that after the six and two start it was really with the product of the order of the schedule that maybe they could take another step. Um, and, and, you know, unless they played Ohio State really, uh, really tough. Um, and uh, had some had some moments even at Michigan and things like that, but they're just not there talent and depth wise. It's going to take some time. Uh, but you know, I actually talked about this in my own podcast. I actually referenced Illinois because I feel like in a way they have an advantage right now by not making a bowl. You know, they can they can rebuild right away and 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 don't have to deal with the challenges of while it's always great to have those extra practices to develop your your younger players. Um, the way college football is now, I mean, it's so difficult to balance now with the portal at the same time. So I actually referenced, I thought Belima had a little bit of a head start now uh, for Illinois, where Rutgers, as a 6-6 six and six team, it's kind of tough, right? Because you have a lot of work to do to improve the roster, but now you're also, you know, in the postseason and dealing with all that. So they've already had four players uh, declare that they're going to enter the transfer portal. So depth will be challenged for that game. We have a few players that I think are going to ultimately go you know, into the NFL draft. So whether they play in the bowl or not, it's kind of up in the air. Uh, most notably, Kyle Monungai, who won the rushing title for the Big Ten. So there's a specific identity there, you know, with defense and 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 the run game and controlling the clock. And, um, you know, uh, they need to get better on offense. But, you know, they, they certainly made some strides. It's just a matter of how much farther he can take this in terms of elevating the program. 
It's going to be interesting to see, you know, with the new teams coming in uh, next year and obviously with the abolishment of divisions, which was good for you and horrible for us, um, <laughs> you know, how programs like Illinois and Rutgers, you know, how they can kind of fit in in what's going to be the new Big Ten moving forward. You know, are they going to be able to adjust, you know, continue to make those bowl games or are they just going to be left behind by, you know, those you know, the haves uh, that are coming into uh, the conference. So it's something like, you know, it's, you know, with the Minnesotas, I've had this conversation with the Minnesota folks, you know, Rutgers, it, you know, just, it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, obviously Oregon, USC, Washington, they're bringing in some fast athletes. Um, you know, they're going to be bringing in a style of play that no one in the big 10 outside, maybe Ohio state really plays. So like, almost the identity of the conference is going to change uh, in a major way. So that'll be fun to watch. But um, Aaron, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, if you don't mind one more time, if you can let my followers know uh, where they can find you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's the Scarlet Faithful podcast, you know, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel where I also do some video analysis and put all the press conferences on as well as the podcast. That's uh, the Scarlet Faithful on YouTube. And uh, my Twitter account is Aaron underscore Brightman and uh, appreciate, uh, you know, I always love uh, interacting with other Big Ten fans as well. And, uh, you know, I, I like Illinois basketball. I think they're entertaining. And uh, I, I, I was surprised that they didn't get a point. I thought maybe they'd go after Mulcahy when he entered in. There was some rumblings there. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough game. And uh, I certainly don't enjoy going to Illinois because the Rutgers never seems to play well there ever. Well, I mean, you guys return the favor when we go there. So I don't know. Maybe we can just, you know, have home games and we just switch every year or something like that. <laughs> but, uh, Aaron, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Uh, again, the game is tomorrow. It is in the afternoon. Do you do you recall? I, yeah, I don't... 4, 4 p.m. Eastern on uh, BTN. I know uh, Illinois, uh, Illinois great uh, Stephen Bardo is on the call. Oh, very nice. He's been on the show before uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Stephen Barber nice. was on. The, yeah, so um, good luck to you guys. Uh, you know, again, it, it's it's one of those where you guys are bringing on a lot of good players. So, it, you know, seeing this as a rebuilding year for you guys. But again, as I mentioned, I think you have one of the three, four best coaches uh, in the conference. So you guys are in pretty good hands. So good luck to you guys and uh, your your football team as well, because I think your football team is probably going to need it uh, just as much as we are. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, and good luck to, to Illinois as well. Thanks, Aaron. There you have it. We have Aaron Brightman uh, from the Rutgers perspective, offering us the Rutgers perspective. Um, if you don't mind, uh, if you can please uh, like and subscribe to the Illini cast. We're on YouTube. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. All of those channels. It, it, I can't tell you how much it helps the algorithm for little channels like us. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with a recap of the Rutgers game, and we'll talk about the FAU game. And until then, take care.